1: Welcome to the market report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 4th of April 2022. Let's start with oilseed rate prices. Old crop, who knows, £800 a tonne, £780 a tonne, I don't know. We've had that conversation. We have none left to trade, and I'm sure there's some stuff out there in the control of whoever needs to use it or whoever's still got some in stock. I don't quite know what anyone's waiting for on that. Anyway, new crop oilseed seed rape, current value near enough contract high, 6.35 for immediate harvest movement into store. Yep, still firm. Russia has announced embargo on sunflower exports, which might be influencing it. Biden has announced a massive oil release to help with crude oil prices. It's an exceptionally good price to start with before your bonuses come in, and the crop is looking rather well. So, you know, over to you. I don't see massive pressure on you. Everybody knows that the oil seed market in the world is firm, but it does sometimes boil down to how much money you need to make to make a profit and to be grown up and serious about selling stuff. Moving on to barleys, feed barley, old crop. If you have any, it's probably in the region of £300 a tonne. There isn't much feed barley out there. It really is very, very scarce. So anything that's left, that's what that's worth. Malting barley, if you can be bothered with the hassle of it, probably, depending on variety, a £20 premium to that. But it's you know very much down to sample. If you've got a sample of it that hasn't been traded, shove it in front of our faces and we'll give you an outrageously good price for it. New crop, pretty buoyant at the moment. I think if we get a good spring... Malting barley premiums will come down. But will the feed grain price be even higher by then? It's too early probably to trade it. If we get to the end of April and early May and we get a bit of confidence about the size of the crop and what sort of nitrogen uptake and how much rain we had at what critical moments and so on, a bit of confidence will start to ease that price back a bit. But certainly you're in the high 200s for most grades of malting barley. Again, we've got movement on it. We've got stuff that's something we very much want to buy. Talk to us about it. Feed wheat this applies to the whole of the cereals market in the last seven days the grain market from my last recording has traded in a range of 26 pounds per ton the high 318 was last friday and 292 was on tuesday morning so in two trading days or in fact in one and a bit trading days the market moved 26 pounds per ton and that was on the back of a peace headline you know peace might be coming to the ukraine which clearly highlights that the downside volatility is greater than the upside volatility at the moment. That is what everyone's looking for. There's still plenty of time for the Ukraine to plant and Russia. And so if suddenly something happened that stopped all of this silliness, then we would be able to see a dramatic drop in prices. And that is a possibility. It's a risk. And every day you have to face risk reward. What's your potential reward for this market? What's your potential risk of it going down? £26 a ton in a day and a diddy bit is a lot of money off what you're earning. So possibly it's a time to knock a few tonnes out. We've done a few trades this week in these levels. I mean, the price of wheat, old crop in round figures is £300 a tonne, depending on timing. Maybe more, maybe less. As I say, you could have been £26 wrong in one day. And so £300 a tonne, that's a good price to anybody at any point. What it really boils down to is, is there enough wheat in the UK for old crop? In my opinion, yes, there is. I think the crops are developed well for new crop. I think we're not looking at a late harvest at the moment. That can be ruined by the weather, I appreciate. But probably we will see some UK cut wheat at a more normal time of the last week of July, early August And if that is the case, it means that, you know, our problems, our shortage will be alleviated earlier than it was last year. So the answer is yes. The problem is who owns it and how do they feel about selling it? So if you've got 40% left to sell, you're turning down £300 a tonne. You know, those guys are what you'd call strongholders and they're not likely to let it go very easily. And they've got three or four months to play the game. And the other question is from the consumption side of things, and there is still tonnage to be traded because anyone with animals is not making any money, and therefore the buying of the grain, you put it off and put it off and keep hoping it's going to get cheaper, and the consumer won't move without you giving them the nod. So at some point, the consumer has to come in and buy some more tonnage. If the timing of that is before the long holder wants to sell it, this market could easily get squeezed even higher. It's really sentiment and psychology is going to be a key player in the Last 10 or 20 pounds worth of trading so if you can suss all that out then you're the man and you know hold on and sell it later or sell it now and be happy but over to you and on new crop the crop looks great it's just rained which is really good so the nitrogen that's been put on so far isn't going to be wasted there's a good start just heard that old crop nitrogen prices have dropped quite dramatically now whether a load of you buy that and put it in store somewhere is another question if true a bearish issue but we shall see Certainly, I wish we traded fertilizer if that is true. And new crop trading at a thousand pounds a ton, then if I can buy at 700 now, I'd make more money out of that than I would have trading grain. But anyway, I'm sure some prominent fertilizer trading companies are probably doing that. And good luck to them. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at. A very volatile market, very good prices. And generally, yeah, it's strange times. If anyone can't see that, then they must have been unconscious for a couple of years. Right. So couple of things i need to keep you up to date on we did a podcast last week about the ukraine and about the fact we're trying to help a ukrainian family well as you've seen on television our government is either yvette cooper kind of nailed it yesterday she said either you're completely incompetent as the home office or it's a deliberate action so either way we obviously have heard no more we got to a point where our little family have fundamentally who ran away with one bag between two of them we've managed to find somewhere for them to live with an expat in in warsaw who's put them up for free and is feeding them and very lovely person but our ukrainian family are getting into a bit of a state they're wondering you know what it is that they've done wrong to not be allowed to come because they've seen several other families obviously go to other countries and several people who'd applied or had been adopted to come to the uk have now opted to go to a different country because they can't afford to either a live in warsaw or you have to go to warsaw and back to go to a visa center and bluntly, are two have run out of money. So Tess actually has headed out there. She's gone out there and we've had you know a couple of photos back and they're kind of having a little bit of a reassurance session from Mrs. Dewing and hopefully they will be hearing something soon. But we're not holding our breath any longer. I guess our mother and daughter are a very serious terrorist threat. It's very clear, he said. One other thing to consider, apparently the 9th of May in Russia is Victory Day. We had our Polish correspondent tell us that. So if old Vlad is true to form, image is everything, then he may, on the 9th of May, declare victory. So maybe that's when it's going to all end. So if that's true, then you heard it here first. So finally, that leaves me with this week's market chat. Now, this is a guy who I have wanted from day one of doing the podcast. Utter legend and someone that critical aspect of the grain trade is not only that we've had brokers on who trade futures we've had all sorts of aspects of the industry but every single day from when I was 21 years old I've pretty well every single working day I've spoken to this guy he's a physical broker and he's the person who does all of the legwork phoning up all the consumers phoning up all the merchants see who's buying who's selling and putting people together it saves you you know 40 phone calls a morning and when I was 19 20 years old I was told to phone this guy up and get the markets for the traders so I used to him up and he'd tell me the markets and then ever since then I've spoken to him as I say and traded with him happily ever since so the man who came back from the dead a bit like Jesus we're going to be talking to a guy called Choco so with that I think it's worth listening to enjoy that thank you thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours
0: If ever there was a time to own central grain store tonnage, it's now. Yeah Grain at Cantley takes the worries and stresses of grain drying and storage away. Members of the store can harvest without delay and can bring their produce in the day it comes off the combine, all with discounted drying and servicing charges. Call 01493 700 447 or 01263 731 550 for details. Ye yeah, Grain providing the grain handling you need.
1: Today, I have got with me someone who I've spoken to just about every working day of my life since I was 21. The man I've spoken to most, probably in my life, which is a big thing, a big influence. So I've got with me a man known as Choco, who is also goes by the name of Paul Sakira. Hello, Choco.
2: Good morning, Andrew
1: you've obviously known me man and boy Mm. first time I ever met you I was 17 I had to pick Mm. you up from Norwich station and take you to Dalgadiraki so you could go out and buy loads of beer for the traders and correct yeah absolutely right yeah and the next day I took you back to the station you looked a little less (laughs) bright than you did the night before (laughs) I can actually still remember that which was interesting and I held you in great esteem because you were this guy they all spoke to you know didn't really understand what was going on tell me you know your job is physical broker what does that actually mean what What is your job? Well, it
2: entails people. In the good old days, there was markets every day. Yeah. You had people coming on, I want to sell something. I want to buy something. You were a pound or two apart. You negotiated. You traded. You traded. You got people together. Nowadays, it's all about... Futures, algorithms, logarithms, WhatsApp, yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you use WhatsApp yourself personally? (laughs) Well, I
2: don't use it because I'm an old man, I'm a technophobe, and it takes me three hours to type out a message. Right. And I also like to talk to people. Yeah. Because you can't express on a WhatsApp or a message a sentiment. And especially in these present times, there's things that happen sometimes that you can't explain in an algorithm. You'd be typing all day. You need to talk to someone and say, right, this is happening because of, et cetera, et cetera. But the young jockeys of the trade today who are coming in, they're all obsessed with premiums and America, you know, the London futures and everything. And that's the be-all and end of everything. And when you've got a market that we've had recently that is £5, £10, £15 apart, you can't trade it.
1: Do you not think these young jockeys, as you call them, are as much, you know, like, trying to pretend they're interested in these things so they can tell their mates that they're trading America? Well,
2: oh, absolutely, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. the
1: reality is they've just bought 58 tonnes of a bloke in, uh, in some <laughs> village down the road and he's got <laughs> yeah. to go to the mill. And it's like, what the hell's Chicago got to do with that?
2: Exactly. What is a wheat field in Minnesota got to do with 58 tonnes of feed barley to well, feed farmers it, in Merrick? When
1: you're young, you, you are guilty of gilding the lily when you're trying to impress a bird, aren't you? It's kind of like, you know, very much I'm so. a very yeah. international yeah, trader, you know. Absolutely right. So fundamentally, you're getting in between a consumer who is looking to buy a big tonnage all of a sudden one day, and you've got a whole lot of merchants who, instead of the consumer having to phone up 50 people or 20 people, you provide the job of saying, this is what the price Mm -hmm. is, and then you go around your merchants and say, this is the bid, this is the offer. And by you doing that work and sussing out the market, Mm it saves the trader the time of doing it every single day. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And also, I think you'll find the consumer doesn't really trust a lot of... Certainly the bigger boy in the business because they think they've got an agenda.
1: You mean they are moving the market in a particular direction? or yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. Every yeah. person on the other side of a trade is always, you know, if you suffer from paranoia, you always mm. think everyone's yeah. trying to do you over. The reality is, of course, they've got an agenda. The agenda mm. is they want to make a profit and they want to make as much money yeah. as they possibly can. Mm. As long as you understand that, is it not more they want to kind of share it round a bit? You've
2: get... got that aspect to it as well. Yeah. That there's very, very much that. But you've also got that if you turn it on its head, mm. you'll find a lot of people sell direct to a consumer rather than a trade short because... When you're dealing with the consumer, they can negotiate if there's a problem. If you're dealing with trade shorts, some are more amenable than others, shall we say.
1: Back, Mm. you you mentioned the good old Mm. days, Mm. the heyday of physical broking mm-hmm. was, when was that?
2: I would suggest you talk in the late 70s, early 80s, yeah. where it was very, very much, it wasn't a physical business, it was a speculative business. You had people doing all sorts of Just, trading runs.
1: It, that was when I first came into the trade. Let's talk about my favourite subject, mm-hmm. LBBM and LTR. Correct, Million yeah, Week.
2: Million Week. Million Week. was the classic. Yeah. You'd go home on a Friday night, and if it was raining on Monday morning, you, you know, you'd walk into the office and you knew the first trade would be £10 pound up. Yeah. 15 pounds up and by the afternoon, it had gone down 2 or £3 pounds up. It always got overdone.
1: Well, people were buying. I was 20, I don't know, 21 mm. or 2 or 3. And it was a wet harvest in 1985, so that would 23, 24 at that time. So, yeah, we came in and we were given carte blanche. I was given the million-week book to yeah. trade. I would make a profit yeah. out of it. I'd come in and I'd buy 500 tonnes a month. October Jan- June. Yeah, October, October June. October, nine October, months'
2: June. run, they, were. they yeah. were. Nine months' run. Yeah. You were trading as a broker. It was, it was
1: wonderful. It was like we falling were, off a log. Because yeah. the people I bought it from at 9... In the morning, I'd sell so it back to at four in the afternoon and make fifty. That's oh, absolutely yeah.
2: right. But before that, on the feed markets, you had people you used to trade the West Country, East Anglia, Yorkshire. You know the Liverpool markets, Scottish markets, all speculative. I mean, you had people Norfolk merchants. Used to trade down in Avonmouth, and, yeah. and they used to say, Well, where is this place? I don't know. <laughs> well, what's the price? Well, that sounds a good price, we better have some
1: of that. You know, back in the day, everything modern and new is the greatest thing, and obviously, people from the past are, are dimwits. We all know that. They're setting a really good example, Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans, yeah. Who, who used to be the buyer for Bernard Matthews Correct. and no longer with us, sadly. Yeah. Now, Mike Evans traded futures didn't he absolutely right and he was pretty simple to read in the sense that he bought it when he felt like buying it on the futures and then converted into physical wheat when it suited him no fear no accountant (laughs) telling him he can't do it and everybody knew where they were Yes. Nowadays, lots of the modern mills don't do they?
2: No, they don't because they can't afford to play the game, Andrew.
1: Yeah, um, that's
2: the reason. I mean, Mike Evans used to trade the futures market was set up all those years ago as a hedging tool for a buyer and a seller.
1: Yeah, it made the market available to anybody on a day where you couldn't buy it elsewhere. Exactly,
2: and now you can't do that.
1: Well, you can, but people don't but, do it. Because of the margin calls, or because, because of, the of called, yeah. or because no one likes—they're too risky for an accountant to understand on the futures—is my—is my belief. They—they they don't like them. They fear them.
2: They do, yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: Cash—it ruins cash flow.
2: But unfortunately, though, Andrew, what you get is—I mean, fifty percent of the merchant in trade in the UK do not trade London futures.
1: But they quote it every day.
2: Correct. They're out there in their car, and they ring up, and they say, "What's the futures doing?"
1: Do you feel like fibbing sometimes? Like like no. Four, four pounds never, down?
2: never. I can honestly, <laughs> hand on heart, you might play out the truth sometimes <laughs> for fibbing. No, no, I would say never because you don't get anywhere with it, do you?
1: So, who's, who's your favourite? Favourite what? Person you trade with. Now, that's. Now, Andrew,
2: now Andrew you can't ask me things like that. You can't argue things like... You are. You're, you're, you are. No, you're I, I, you're I, one of the favorites. I bet you say that to all the boys. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't, actually. I don't say it to all the boys.
1: <laughs> that was an unkind question. That, that was. No, itching it to ask answer. that one. There's one thing I want to go back on. Right, when Eurograin was set up, in my office there's a book mm-hmm. that is the most boring book in the history of mankind called The, the History of uh, Agricultural Cooperatives. And somewhere in the pages there's a reference to Eurograin. Mm-hmm. We know,
2: were set up by... The co societies of the UK. Yeah, so the there farmers of the, the of the UK had their very own broker,
1: yeah. uh, Eurograin Overseas Limited, as well. I we think. did. Yeah, we, did. we Which had was
2: offices f- in Milan, in Paris, in Madrid, yeah. all over.
1: This is farmers had that set up.
2: So yeah, yeah. But there was twelve co- co-operative groups in the UK. Yeah. Run um, by farmers. Yeah. And the co-ops were there. they off, you know, with their mouthpieces. Yeah. And these guys never supported us. They used to trade with other brokers. Although, you know, every penny we earned went back to them.
1: <laughs> the point being that, you know, here we sit. So the farmers actually had something that was really directly linked to the, all the end markets. Absolutely. And they didn't support it.
2: They, they controlled. Uh, I, I don't know the exact percentage, Andrew. So I, just, I, I won't guess. Just
1: quite. imagine if the farmers actually had access to that all the way yeah. through the decades. If yeah. they genuinely had yeah. thought, oh, I can get it the and sheep over there. So yeah. they stuck with this thing which actually gave genuine markets directly yeah. to yeah. the cooperatives. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? It is nuts, yeah. When people talk about how we've really modernised everything and we've really got our act together nowadays, the reality is that go back to a period when farmers were poor in the 60s, that's when they were innovative and did things like that. When it got to the 70s, that's when it got abandoned. That's when you became you. you said, well, this is not working. You became independent. You moved out of London, I guess. Somewhere. That's absolutely right, yeah. The original person at the company was your dad.
2: Actually, there was a chap called Whisker. Right. Who started the company in 1971. Right. And that's who the co ops first employed to work for Eurograin. And then my dad took over six months later.
1: He made it into the The company that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and reality is we we accession into. the European Union 73 and that Mm -hmm. effectively farmers became better off and that's when the abandonment occurred because before then they had to fight for the markets well we
2: lasted another 10 years they made us redundant in 1984
1: yeah which is because they bluntly they didn't need they just had it Correct. Had it all, didn't they? Yeah. No, no one's ever going to admit that. We get that. No. And sorry if it sounds like Farmer bashing you boys, but you <laughs> did have something which was actually really well thought through and you didn't support it, and so it went independent. So when you went on your own, your dad retired around that time, I believe. No, no, he carried on for he, I I
2: 1996. Even... We carried on 12 years when we set up independently.
1: Yeah. I mean, you moved the office out here, here to... to Southend. To, yeah, I'm down in deepest... Deepest, darkest Essex today. That's right. Yeah. I locked my car up and thought <laughs> I, I won't be there in the morning, but it was a surprising. There you go. Very interesting. With the history, what's happened in the time that you, yes, you know, from the heyday, is there's just hundreds less people, I guess. is Absolutely. That, so, you know, is there a point? Because I remember there's one, one famous mm. trader who told you you were finished about 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah,
2: one famous trader at Norwich Dinner in 1993 said, your time's up, son.
1: Should we, are we allowed to name him? Yes. Go on then.
2: Mr. Richard Whitlock, who was working on time for cargo, he said, he had yeah, a had drink it. at the bar, he said, your time's up, son. He said, <laughs> y- you're finished. So I said, what do you mean, Richard? He said, well, from now on, we're going to just have a internet, web trade. People are going to go on and say, right, I want to buy 10,000 tonne of wheat, they won't need you. You know, they'll just come along to me and the other big boys, what's your price today? And I said, i never worked. with
1: So him. he's a, a visionary.
2: He was a visionary, but his vision was blurred. Because <laughs> <For laughs> I'm still here 20, 29 years later.
1: In the end the buffer between two people trading sometimes has to take a punch or two or be jovial or make mm. a joke out of something which could become difficult you know yeah. so in the end a computer an algorithm and a whatsapp yep. as we started with isn't going to be able to kind of negotiate around the corner correct is it? and so there will always be the need for someone to absolutely right. have a conversation yeah. unless i'm completely wrong i can't see where we go much further with this in IT and stuff, it, it's got to end up with people. Well, I think,
2: it? I mean, Andrew, a lot of people these days, I mean, it's all, especially with the COVID we just went through, it was very much a case of people not in the office. You had to send WhatsApp, you had to send messages. But it's a nightmare now. You know, with some with some companies, you try and get hold of them, but you just physically can't reach them. And you've had a market that's been moving £10, 15 £20 pound a tonne. Yeah, you've got a market on the go, that, so that you're trying yesterday. to get back to someone they won't pick up their bloody phone. Yeah, so, I mean, excuse me, I not swear.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, it, well, it, <laughs> absolutely. Well, COVID hasn't helped that, has it? No,
2: it hasn't. It hasn't.
1: And there's a load of people who still actually are still working from home, aren't they? Correct, yeah. Which is because they must want to.
2: Absolutely right. And that's what's happened. Yeah. And, and you know, they're, they're not going to go back to the office-based trade.
1: Unfortunately things for the younger traders is they haven't actually got some old codge to rub off or, you know, kind of understand the dynamic of how they go about Mm. things, do you know what I mean? Absolutely
2: right, yeah. You know, a little bit of
1: give and take. You can't be chest out all the time, I'm right, I'm right. You know, you you can pretend you you are any dinner you like, but you have to give, don't you? You can't just take. But, Andrew, I'd also maintain you'll never, ever
2: put something across in a message that you can talk to face or, you know, on the phone, speaking to someone, because sometimes a sentiment, you can't portray that in a message, you can't do it. And and sometimes you can send a message and it comes out as some sarky bloody remark. Where yeah. you don't actually mean it. No,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: The youngsters today, that's their life, isn't it? Computers, technology, IT.
1: But it seems easy to make the trade in theory like that, mm. but you're right, it's about, well, why don't you do another 493 tonnes? Conversation can evolve to a bigger tonnage, exactly. to, a, to a greater exactly. number of...
2: You can talk to people, you can portray a sense of the market.
1: Do you think your own bias affects the market sometimes? In what way? Bullish or bearish. Not Some, in the sometimes you're robustly like, oh, I see, he's at it. There An eminent no trader
2: problems. who shall remain nameless said to me many years ago, yeah. he said, I-, I can't say exactly because no. it involves swearing, he said, you give me the numbers, I'll do the thinking. I don't need to know what you think. It's irrelevant, yeah, that's and he's right, and he's absolutely I right. I agree. Absolutely Ultimately,
1: right. we are here just for a price, but the problem with lots of personalities is they kind of want reassuring all the time, don't they? they want their mummy.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, people ask opinions, but, I mean, for example, Andrew, I mean, the last two years, if i had been running a trading book, it's like playing Monopoly, I'm out of the game. I'm in the corner. I'm bankrupt, <laughs> you know, because I've got it badly, badly yeah, wrong. Every
1: now and again, you have some storming uh, insights.
2: Sometimes you look at things and you think, why the hell is he not doing this? Hmm. I don't get it, and you don't understand it. And I don't. I, I, to this, 49 years in the business, and sometimes people turn things down, and I think, is there something wrong? Because he had a row with his wife this morning. <laughs> you know, why are they turning this down? You don't understand it.
1: Which leads on to the, some of the personalities you must like, obviously, you know. Yeah. Your food faves, and you've got yeah. personalities that you don't particularly like. There's
2: people that I totally dislike. Yeah. No, I'm not going to name for obvious
1: reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reel off some names later on. You're not here. We're talking know, about over, hates over, you. Over, over a drink. You know who you are, absolutely. No. <laughs> but with the dynamic of that, sometimes someone comes on with a storming great mm. bid. How mm. do you choose? What do you mean? How do you well, choose? so let's just say I'm going to go on oldie. Just cover me for a thousand tons of this, and I'll pay you five well, pounds too I- much. That's never happened, I'll add.
2: No, it hasn't. It <laughs> hasn't. But I'd like to think that you try and look after the consumer yeah. purely and simply because he's giving you the order. Yeah. And indeed. especially in a marketplace like today, they are the only real buyers. Yeah.
1: Does everybody give you – I mean, some people phone up. I mean, I've been in your office this morning before we turned this on, and it's clear that some people come and say, right, I want to do this, and this is roughly what I think it's worth. I'll give you – there weren't many bids about this morning, I'll add. But, you know, I'll give you – if I can do it, this, that's my price. But the bulk of them seem to kind of want to know everything else. They about do, the yeah. And don't actually ever they put a price do. in.
2: As I said to you earlier, Andrew, an eminent trader told me many years ago, if you want to sell something, offer it. If you want to buy something, bid yeah, for it. I, and that's the only way you can trade. But too many people now, and especially with this moving markets, yeah. you can't trade it. It's no, just impossible. Well, it,
1: it's moved from three hundred and nine well, yeah, to two hundred and ninety I mean, You don't miss something,
2: something to... for fifty p, you miss it for, for a fiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, which hurts. Well, it it, it doesn't. It doesn't.
1: There's yin and yang on that. You you win, you lose. If someone who has got this market recently wrong, mm. must be an idiot. But what exactly now is the bit where is this mm. the top, isn't mm. it? I think it's beginning to feel a bit toppy, and people are a bit. You know, there's a few more offers about than bids. All right, Mr. Putin, do, do something dumb in a minute and maybe we'll all go up again. But Exactly, yeah. It doesn't feel quite as robust as it did.
2: Absolutely not, no. Listen, Andrew, I've, in the last year I've had a bear yeah. sitting in the corner of the office yeah. and I've shot him and revived him, <laughs> shot him and revived him. Yeah. And a month ago I thought, that's it, you're dead, you're gone. You're yeah. gone, son. You know, You've had it. But now... Well, he'll I be back when he's, his cubs days, will be The last couple of days I've revived him again. <laughs> yeah. He's coming back. He's coming back from there.
1: You're now just over sort of 65, we'll say that. Yeah. What's your plan? How much more have you got to do?
2: The plan at the moment is I will carry on while I'm physically fit and healthy enough. You know, we used to say, you know, get to 70, 71, 72, 75. I, mean, I work three days a week now, so what do I... Forgive if, me for
1: this, you have pegged it once while sailing I over have, the Mariana Trench, didn't
2: you? I have, and I got brought back from the dead. Yeah. So now, but what do I do if I don't come into work for three days a week, sit so and watch Murder, She Wrote, and Terry Mason, and Minder, <laughs> and, and Sweeney? <laughs> That's what you do. You sit there watching UK Gold and a load of old rubbish. Did you go to
1: Tesco Express or Morrison's? <laughs> <laughs> Morrison's. <laughs> Do you have an argument with the cashier or is your no, like? No? no, no,
2: I don't have an argument with anyone, <laughs> Andrew. Not since I got divorced. Oh, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're going to keep plugging along doing it. Yeah. And it's obviously that, you know, Richard Whitlock was wrong, but, wasn't but he? Then,
2: but, but we haven't got the pressure. You traders have got all the, all the pressure. You have. The farmer in the UK at the moment has got no pressure. Yeah. Because he's having it off. Excuse your, you know, your yeah, no. clients listening to this. Yeah, they, they are having it off. I, oh, they yeah. are making more money than they ever, ever dreamt possible. I have said that. You know, you've got that um, sort of, you know, aspect to it.
1: What about um, the consumers? they're kind of stuck, aren't they? They've got.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The, the people in, are in selling to
1: in a muddle because they can't afford the, the prices they've got to pay. Yeah. They can't make a move on it. They've still got to trade the rest Correct, of this year, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, they have. Goodness knows when they're going to make that move.
2: Well, that's down to them. Yeah. But the price are around to pay. No-one's ever seen markets like this, ever. No-one who's been in, in this business has ever seen mo- movements no, like this. I that agree.
1: No, certainly the 24th of Feb was a you know, unique moment. I'm, you
2: know, so I'm leaning to the bear again, but as I told you, I've lost a fortune in my theoretical <laughs> trading
1: book. You can bring the bear so, out of the cage so, every now and again, but so as long as you... Give,
2: well, yeah, every now and again, but don't, that don't help, does it?
1: Feed the bull. So how do you see the trade developing? Where does it go to next? And it's shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. There's a few independents around, aren't there, like yeah, ourselves? very much so.
2: Especially with prices at these levels, because I think farmers can afford to be loyal. They don't have to all deal with the big boys who are paying all the big prices.
1: Do you think the big boys are going to stick with it in their current mode? They seem to be a little bit keener on getting farm supply again. Very much. So. Big prices yeah, on right. farms again.
2: But, you know, Andrew, the number of times you get a merchant ring up and so and so so and so is paying this, and you're telling me the deliver price is X, and you can't get it there for a fiver. You know how can I compete? And right. the answer is you can't compete because no, no. the big boys will take a view. They'll take a position. They want to secure physical physical grain, mm. and they will go out there and say, right, I'm going to pay whatever price today. It's five pound more than everybody no,
1: else. It isn't to anyone can take a view it's up up to you to be grow some to do it you know you've got to actually say right i'm going to buy it or i'm not someone's being offered i don't know 304 pounds to an ex-farm in the future Mm. trading 300 tell the farmer to sell it absolutely
2: right yeah
1: because if you there's no point buying something Mm. that you aren't going to make any money out of so let somebody else have that excitement
2: yeah don't forget that hindsight is the best trader in the world (laughs) the hindsight gets it right every time
1: we both know individuals who sound like they've made a fortune any given trading year yeah. invariably after three or four years they get sacked or yeah, well, I mean. the company exactly. goes broke you know you go to a dinner you're a young man and you mm. pretend that you've made money every single time you trade i remember driving up to liverpool dinner mm. well, i didn't drive i was sitting in the car petrified because he was driving like emerson 50 poldy but it was mm. wooty david Wooten. I remember. and he it, david, was yeah. he i was working at Rackheath, he was working at Siemens at mm. elmham and I met him parked the my car there and he drove out in about six minutes. It felt like my eyes were shut. But he was talking about the spreads and the trays he was doing and that he was doing this, that. I was confused by the time I got to King's Lynn. I felt so inadequate, so utterly useless at my job. I remember there were several guys around like that invariably, those are the ones that have gone. Yeah, and the ones who, were, right. who never kind of mm. bragged, never said they were doing this, that and the other. Mm. They just kind of didn't mm. talk about work really when they're at the dinner. They're just being normal people. It struck me that the empty vessels made more noise. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, my advice to any young buck that goes to a dinner, however determined you are to prove you're the best trader on mm. the planet, just don't talk the talk. Walk the walk. Absolutely you know, right. do it. And then yeah, right. people will find out yeah. whether you're good, whether you're bad. Because we all know in the end who performs and who doesn't, who exactly. gets it right and who gets yeah. it wrong. If you're bright enough to work it out, you can see whether someone's nailed it or not.
2: To me, though, I mean, if, if a company employs a trader, you've got to let him trade. Just... Too many people now <laughs> that you, you talk to them and you'll give them a market or a price or something, oh, we'll be back. Why? He'll be back because he's got to go and talk to his superiors. Yeah, yeah, which... but, so to me, I mean, let the boys make the mistakes.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. You, you, you know,
2: let them make a decision. You, and, uh, that you can only learn by your mistakes.
1: Let them get it wrong. Well, going back mm-hmm. in history, there were people who, you know, let's use another name, Colin South. He was the broker's dream, wasn't he? Absolutely right. But he was a nutcase. <laughs> because uh, all the brokers in the country, well, but, but he was though,
2: Andrew, because <laughs> if he, uh, there was him and there was, a, there was a company called Barry West. Barry West. Do you remember West. Barry West? No, I don't remember. He If a broker had a 50p market, yeah. you'd bring one of them two up. Yeah. yeah. They either buy it or sell it.
1: Right. Nine well, times out well, of ten. He had, he had some took behind him. You were covering Kenneth uh, Wilson, were right, yeah.
2: Darren He went bust.
1: Did he? Yeah. Where yeah. was he from then?
2: He was an indi- independent trader in Buckinghamshire, I think. Oh,
1: right, no. Never, never, never heard of him.
2: The trade's littered with them. people. They tried to take on the big boys,
1: and you can't. No, no. You have to accept your place in the, in the pegging pack. But
2: in that order. was in the days, though. And going back to it, it was the, big st- the string trading. Yeah. You know, you used to get people, you used to do, have to give orders out by four o'clock. Oh. So, on the last day of the month, you get your phone ringing for between three and four with people who've got something on the books. They've they got a lot of money in it. Yeah. They hadn't sold it. they got to give orders out yeah. by four o'clock. So, yeah. they had to desperately go and find a buyer and yeah, yeah. sell it two, three pound under the market just to get a out. on. Sit there sometimes in those days and think, why the hell didn't they sort this out three days ago?
1: Yeah, but that was contractual. You know, this is where you get people sell to consumers. They don't mess around. People used to have a contract. But you used to have a a... uh, Bluntly, I was trained to do this at Dalgetty's. I can't (laughs) pretend that I was an innocent because I wasn't. Invariably, the the lesson I learned from that, if you end up being as sharp as that, you Mm. don't end up with anybody trusting you. So, Mm. orders day, you would have someone with an incredibly cheap sale. yeah. Giving you fixings at five minutes to four on yeah. the Friday, yeah. and then and by telex, that's so the telex right, yeah. machine is engaged, yeah. and you can't get the orders yeah, out. That's right, yeah. It is one of those well lessons learned that if you want to be sharp, you can and you can make money. Very but invariably, Very you up. then start not mm. having those people available to buy from you or sell to mm. yeah. because yeah. they go, no, you play contractual games, Sunny. I'm not going to do exactly that.
2: right.
1: And as a small business, you can't afford to do that. Absolutely right. Here we sit, a couple of old codgers, you know, you've got a few more years left, so have I. Hopefully. Yeah, next time I come in your office, hopefully you'll recognise me. He <laughs> yeah. thought I was the man to read the gas meter this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite funny, but anyway, Jocko, I think a little bit of education for people. If you speak to someone, I think when you do finally retire, I'm going to, I'm going to have withdrawal symptoms because I just, you know, mm-hmm. every day I talk to you, <laughs> and the boys in our office, they always put you straight through to me because they, you know, we yeah. have that a uh, relationship yeah. where we have a, a bit of a chat, but largely, well,
2: Andrew, listen, this business is about people. Yeah, it always has been. It's not about the great big ego. Well, I have to say ego, but it's about personalities and people. Yeah. Because we might as well be dealing in frog legs. Yeah. I mean, I've been in this business 49 years. If you put a sample of wheat and barley on that desk, I couldn't tell you the difference. Right. And, and that's the truth.
1: And how many tonnes do you go through the business in a year? So, well, is that, yeah. You know, Hundreds of thousands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not particularly relevant to you, is it? But you're right, you're trading people and personalities. Yeah, that is exactly it. I would say the loyalty you have to you know, lift up or game from people is obviously the measure of your success, isn't it? You wouldn't have this business if you weren't good at Absolutely doing not, it. yeah. Well, exactly so I, th- I think with that, you know, a, a people manager—that's it. That's a, a good a, word. Anyway, I've, I've word. thoroughly enjoyed what we've done up to so far. Let's keep going for a few Absolutely more years. Absolutely right, my friend. Choco. All the best to you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released, and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.